So, uh, Ruth's going to bring our reading. We're on the first Sunday of Lent. Just a reminder that um, we are um, sending out some uh, sort of prompts for uh, prayer and reflection as we go through Lent. So each week on a Thursday through the uh, MailChimp communications, there are a number of pieces put together by members of the congregation with verses to reflect on. Do use those. If you're not already signed up to MailChimp, please let us know and we can get you signed up. And if you're able to contribute your own reflection of up to 500 words, please uh, speak to the parish office or speak to Anita here at the front. Ruth. The reading this morning is from the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 4, verses 1 to 11. Then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the desert to be tempted by the devil. After fasting fasting for 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. The tempter came to him and said, If you are the Son of God, tell these stones to become bread. And Jesus answered, It is written, People do not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. Then the devil took him to the holy city and had him stand on the highest point of the temple. If you are the Son of God, he said, throw yourself down, for it is written, he will command his angels concerning you, and they will lift you up in their hands, so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. Jesus answered him, it is also written, do not put the Lord your God to the test. Again, the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their splendor. All this I will give you, he said, if you will bow down and worship me. Jesus said to him, Away from me, Satan, for it is written, Worship the Lord your God and serve him only. And then the devil left him, and angels came and attended him. This is the word of the Lord. Good morning. My name is Anita. If you're not familiar with me, I'm part of the team here at Christchurch. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, come among us now and open our hearts to your word. Soften us and make us receptive. Bring us the gifts you want to bring us today and help us to carry them into the week ahead. In Jesus' name, amen. I preached back in the autumn, uh, and I told you about my apple tree. I don't know if you remember my apple tree. I had a little conversation with it. Well, it's the first Sunday of Lent, and Lent isn't really about fruits. That was a, oh, that was a really bad throw, good catch. <laughs> He's still got it. It's not really about fruit. Lent is about roots. Uh, This isn't my apple tree, in case you're worrying. Uh, We're thinking about Jesus in the wilderness in testing times. It's all about the roots. I'm going to share a little story from my own life with you. Uh, We lived in Zimbabwe for a while, and I was teaching 
and I was accused by another member of staff of doing something wrong. It was a big time of testing for me. How would I react? I got angry. I reacted swiftly. I didn't pause to reflect. I rushed in and complained to our mutual boss. It took a long time to sort out that problem. I'll tell you a little bit more about it in the end. In the Old Testament, there are many examples of individuals or the people of God collectively being given a test by God. Not to trick them, but to test their mettle. Not to show God who they really were, he already knew, but to reveal to themselves who they really were. Were they people who trusted God, even when it was hard? Or were they people who took the easy way out, the shortcut? So we're thinking today about testing times. I think we often think that it must be for God's benefit that we are being tested. But it's not, it's for our benefit. Because once you're bared down to the roots, the bare branches of a tree, you can see the real shape of you. And if we realize that we need to amend our ways, then we can. So we're going to look at how Jesus faced testing times in the wilderness. And we're going to think about what's going on when we're in testing times. And then we're going to see how Jesus overcame and learn what we can do to overcome in those times as well. So what's going on when we're in testing times? In Genesis, we know that Adam and Eve faced their big test, whether they would follow God's instructions to eat of all of those wonderful trees, but just not that particular tree. And we know what happened there. And because of that, because of what they did in failing their test so spectacularly, Jesus came to restore everything that had been put wrong. And so we see here in this passage from Matthew, chapter 4, we see that Jesus faces the big first test of his ministry. He's been baptized and he's beginning his ministry and he's gone out to start with prayer and fasting. And the 40 days that he experienced echoes perhaps the 40 years that the Israelites were tested when they were wandering around in the wilderness, failing a lot of tests actually. We don't know if Jesus completely fasted with no food at all, or whether it was a fasting where he ate just a minimum of food, but it was clearly an incredibly tough challenge for him. And it would have left him very vulnerable to temptation. When our basic needs aren't met, we are much more vulnerable to lose our temper, to find it difficult to see things in perspective and so on, aren't we? And I love this just total understatement in the gospel here. Matthew chapter four, verse two, after fasting for 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. Um, yeah, I think hangry would be probably more, more like. So what form does Jesus' test take? Satan comes to him and the first thing he says is, turn those stones into bread and you can just feed yourself. What's the point of being hungry when you have the power of God at your disposal? Now we know that Jesus could have done that, couldn't he? He fed the 5,000. He could easily have turned stones into bread. But he knew it wasn't really about food. It was a test. He was being offered the chance to use his powers for his own gain. He was being offered to meet his own need for comfort and security rather than looking to God for those things. Then Satan says to him, why don't you throw yourself off a high place? God will catch you. God could. Jesus could have done that. 
We know that Jesus escaped arrest several times before he allowed himself to be arrested when it was time to go to the cross. In other words, Satan is telling him, why don't you manipulate God in order to test how much he loves you? Why don't you meet your desire for approval, Jesus, by testing God to show his love? Well, Satan's been asking these questions and it's not really going that well, is it, for Satan? So he just kind of lays his cards on the table at this point and says, worship me and I'll give you all the power of this world. In other words, switch sides. In return for power and control over your life and your ministry, follow me. Maybe the end would justify the means. It could be a shortcut to get everybody to follow Jesus. Jesus is being offered that chance to meet his desire for control through Satan rather than surrendering to God. But what about us? What about you? When you face a time of trial, what's going on inside you? What desires and needs do you have? Often it boils down to something pretty similar to what Jesus was experiencing. We have a very strong desire for security some of us more than others. We have a strong desire for approval. And we have a strong desire for control. So a desire for security, where do you find your security? Is it in God? A desire for approval, where do you look for your approval? Do you look to God? And a desire for control, who do you want to control your life? Is it God? Now, in the autumn, when I was talking about my apple tree, we were looking at the course called Growing on the Frontline. And we actually had a group that did the course um, in the whole entirety. And the idea of it was that we all want to bear fruit for God, like that beautiful apple. But often there are things that stop us. And that often it's in testing times that things go wrong. Our desire for security and control and approval can just overwhelm us and lead us to cut corners or to lash out, to blow it, basically. In a tree, the roots are what they, the, the roots gather all that they need from where they're rooted in. And we're like trees too. What fruit we bear depends on our roots. And if you pay attention to your roots, if you're rooted in the wrong things, you're going to look for your needs to be met by the wrong things or the wrong people. So if I give you a few examples, if you have a strong need for security, I don't know if that's you, it might be particularly important for you that you feel secure, sometimes that desire can get out of control if you're in a testing time. So imagine you're really short of cash, your, your finances are in trouble, and at that time somebody asks you to look after their accounts for them or to handle some money for them. It would be very tempting to take a little bit of that money, nobody will notice, that might be a moment where you're particularly vulnerable if you have that desire for security and you're in a testing time. Or maybe for you, it's a desire for approval that really dominates your life. You need to be liked or you need to have a good reputation. And that need can sometimes overbalance things. It makes you tempted to say yes to things that you really shouldn't because you don't want to let people down or you, don't want, to, you, you want to be able to fit in. That desire can be very strong for you. Or for some people, it's a desire for control. 
So perhaps you're feeling that life is out of control because of outside forces, and you might be tempted to take matters into your own hands. You might sneak a peek at a, a colleague's computer screen to see who's on the redundancy list. Or you might manipulate somebody close to you so that you can order life as you want it to be. So I don't know whether you resonate with this, but on our course, we found it really helpful. So let's just try it out now. If you think of a time when you were under a real testing time, or it could be now, just think about the emotions that came to the fore. And think about what was underlying those emotions. Perhaps a feeling of losing control, of losing approval and status, or having your security threatened. These were what we might call our kind of root desires. And if our roots are growing down into the well of God's love and wisdom, then hopefully that's what comes out of us. That's how we react. But if our roots are growing into some other muddy puddle, that's not going to provide us with what we need. And so what comes out of us might not be that pleasant. So that's what I think is going on here. And now we're going to look at how we respond. How did Adam and Eve respond to their big trial? They blew it, didn't they? But Jesus, of course, in this trial here, he smashes it. So let's learn from him. Three things. Firstly, Jesus knows and loves his father and loves the scriptures that God has spoken through. And we know that he quotes from scriptures. He has them at his fingertips. He says, man doesn't live by bread alone, Deuteronomy 8.3. Do not put the Lord your God to the test, Deuteronomy 6.16. Worship the Lord and serve him only, Deuteronomy 6.13. It's wonderful when you meet people who have scripture just firmly at their fingertips and can apply it to different situations and use it to comfort others. But even Satan can do that. He could quote scripture, and he did so. He quoted Psalm 91. But of course, his was from a very different motive. Jesus' love of scripture was based on his love for God. Jesus couldn't contemplate sinning and grieving his father because he loved him, and his whole life was dedicated to please him only. Jesus loves his father and his father's word. So that's the first thing. The second way that Jesus is able to get through this trial is because Jesus knows he is loved back. He's loved by the Father. He doesn't need to manipulate God in order to check whether God loves him or not. He already knows. He is sure of his Father's love. So he loves his Father and his Father's word, and he knows that he's loved. And thirdly, Jesus trusts God completely. There's no need for him to take control he can trust God to be in control. He surrenders his life. And I think the most powerful moment where we see that is in the Garden of Gethsemane, isn't it? Where he says, after a big struggle, he says, not my will, but yours be done. It's not easy for him, but he does it because he trusts God completely. So what about us? How can we respond in those times of trial? The thing about testing times is it's not a good time to start learning new things. It's not a good time to go and do your homework, is it? Because you're probably going to have to respond in the heat of the moment. So if you wait till the testing time, it might be too late. Better to be prepared in advance. So let's get ready and learn from Jesus. First of all, then, like Jesus, 
Let's get to know the scriptures better and let's love the one who breathed them into life. Let's allow God to speak to us through scripture. And we have so many opportunities here at Christchurch. We talked about the 500 words. We've got one church one day. We've got our life groups, our small groups. We've got open church, so many things. And also out in the world, there are apps and podcasts, books and notes and all these kind of things. And the key thing is that it's not just about studying for the sake of it. It's about doing these things in the context of wanting to know God's heart better, being his children. So maybe there is something new that you can do during Lent, or maybe there's something you can start doing again that you've forgotten about, or maybe it's something you want to slightly do differently, to know the one who loves you. And secondly, let's see if we can work to please an audience of one, God alone. If you don't need the approval of the world, you don't have to warp your morals or your standards or your ways of behaving in order to fit in. So maybe you could try this out in some small way this, this week. Maybe you could say no to something that you know you felt you agreed to for the wrong motives. Or consider how you're going to respond differently in a situation in your office or in your family or in, with people you hang around with. Think about who you're trying to please. Think about what your roots are growing into. And thirdly, surrender yourself daily to the Father's will. Maybe you could start each day with that simple prayer, not my will, but yours be done. We can look to him for our future. We can start to grow further away from that tendency to worry that Paul was preaching at about a few weeks ago. When we're tempted to manipulate people or manipulate circumstances to get what we want, to get that control back, we can remember that our lives are in the palm of the Father's hand and that's the safest place to be. We can practice pausing, taking a deep breath and handing back the reins to God. So we're looking at the different ways in which we can align our lives and make sure our roots are growing down into the Father. Knowing those scriptures and the one, the Father who breathed life into them, work to please an audience of one and surrender yourself daily to the Father's will. Now, going back to my big trial when I was teaching, when I rushed to complain to that member about that member of staff, I didn't stop and reflect. I didn't examine my own motives and motions. I didn't talk about it with God to ask what was going on. And when I look back now, I realize that the reason why I was so angry and reacted so strongly was because I was struggling. I was in a new culture, I was in a new job, I was teaching a new subject, and it, you know, I was just insecure, basically. And so therefore, that's the way that I reacted. I tried to clear my name rather than sitting down and reflecting on what was going on and talking to the person concerned and seeing where they were coming from. My roots were definitely growing into the wrong place. I was trying to get my approval in life from my job rather than from God. So maybe this week it would be good for you to reflect on a past situation like I've reflected on this one and consider what was going on, what was going on underneath? How did I feel and maybe why? And ask God to show you. Because it might be that a similar situation might come up in the future and you might be able to respond differently next time. 
Well, like all sermons, the, the basic message is to be more like Jesus. Uh, great, thanks. You know, didn't really need to have a sermon about that. We all know that we want to be more like Jesus. But it is good to reflect sometimes on particular ways in which we can be more like Jesus. And I think we need to start off by examining our own roots. If muck comes out of you when you're squeezed, then maybe you're feeding on the wrong things. So this Lent, I invite us all to check that our roots are growing into the right stream, into the love of the Father. He's the only one who is worthy of your love. So invest in him. Invest in all the good things that help you hear his voice and sense his presence, so that in testing times, we will glorify God rather than blowing it. Let's pray. So the musicians would like to come up. We're going to pray together. Heavenly Father, we know that the solution to our lives is to live more like Jesus, but it can be so hard. We pray that you'd help us to look back and receive your wisdom and your healing on past situations. We pray that you'd help us to look at the present and learn from you, be guided by your Holy Spirit to see ourselves clearly, to see the shape of the tree when the leaves and the branches and the fruit have gone, to see where our roots are growing. And we pray, Father, that you would give us courage for the future, that we would be certain we are in the palm of your hand we entrust any future growth and any future fruit to you, knowing that if we pay attention to our roots, growing deep into you, then the fruit will come. We commit ourselves to you now. In the name of Christ. Amen.